This podcast is brought to you by Aetna. Learn how Aetna is working to build a healthier world by visiting aetnastory.com. Hi, it's Doro, and I'm so excited to announce that the Achieving Optimal Health Conference is just around the corner on October 26th at Georgetown University. For our Health Gig listeners, we have a special offer. If you sign up by September 20th, you'll get $50 off your ticket. Just go to AchievingOptimalHealthConference.com and use the code HEALTHGIG. Get ready to create a happier and healthier life story. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. This week, we're talking to Mark Bertolini, the CEO of Aetna. He promotes measures that increase access, lower costs, and improve the quality of healthcare. Mark is a strong advocate for a consumer-centered healthcare system, and we loved talking to him, and we know you will too. We'll circle back at the end of the podcast. When you see the results of this and the way you feel about others and how they react to you... Um, you say, I want other people to do this. Mm-hmm. And your know, organizations are full of stressors and mm-hmm. people are working hard. And, and, and Mari was in this program in Watsonville, California with... Um, Gary? No, it's not. Yeah, Gary Cresso. Mm-hmm. So Mari was in his yoga teacher training class and his yoga therapist class. And I would pop out there and, you know, hang out at Watsonville, at Mount Madonna, right at the Hanuman Temple yeah. and you know, the, the, the sequoias and, you know, vegan food yeah. and chanting. And I'd hang out in the class <laughs> and one day figured out, you know, yes, Mar, who is that? And, why is that? <laughs> and she told him and he says, oh, my God, he's the guy from Aetna. And he came over to me and goes, you know, we should build a program together. And so Gary talks, you know, spiritual. Mm-hmm. Right. I talk business. And the bridge was really tough to build because um, he doesn't understand. <laughs> right. you know, I have to actually prove that it actually matters right. um, versus the fact that you want to do it. Right. <laughs> Mari became the Rosetta Stone between us. Um, and I finally said, you know, I came to work one day and I said, you know, I think we should do mindfulness and, and, and yoga. Who do you tell that to? You like your team? My team. I said, we should do this. <laughs> And they're all looking at me going, oh, my God, the president does yoga. You do yoga. We all got to do yoga. This is not actually works. And so like a week later, the chief medical officer, Lonnie Reisman, comes to me and goes, you know, this is all voodoo, right? Right. And I'm going, well, what do you mean? He goes, this this is just crazy stuff. You're going to look like an idiot doing this stuff. And so I said to him, Lonnie. You tell me what it would take for you to believe that this was effective. Okay. And so he said, we need to do a double-blind study. We need to do a randomized controlled <laughs> study. So we did. So we invited people to join the program. We had 795 apply. We created a control group. We had East Coast and West Coast people. Interestingly enough, the West Coast people were more stressed than the East Coast people. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah, isn't that? Right? I thought I was like... You know, what did the owl plant buy? Um, and so, <laughs> so, you know, how did that happen? And so then we put these people in groups and we started this program that Gary and Mari put together. And it included journaling um, and it included in person and it included online for me, mindful. And we studied all of this stuff and we did it for 12 weeks. And then we sent the information to biostatisticians. 
<laughs> and we said to them, did it work? And we did pre-testing on heart rate variability and cortisol levels. And then we did post and the results were dramatic. Yeah. Wow. The stress levels dropped. <laughs> we you know, found 69 minutes a month in increased productivity. The healthcare costs of the people before the study that were, we, we, we arrayed people in quintiles of stress, the people in the highest quintile of stress were doing $2,500 more a year in healthcare costs than the average. And so we made this investment and we watched people and it was amazing. Yeah. The results mm-hmm. we had. The next year, our healthcare costs as a company went down 7.5%. Not the trend, the overall costs. Wow. Wow. So, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, how about the chief medical officer? How- he was a believer. He came into me when <laughs> he came into me and he said, "I don't know what to say, but the biostatisticians are going like this really works." <laughs> we so, saw we saw stress levels drop in half. Wow! But the most important thing were the journals, right? People's pe- personal their personal stories. It's this movement of like citizen scientists. Have you heard of that? No. Citizen scientists, you know, getting people to actually tell their story and then come together with it, you know? Yeah, crowdsourcing. Yeah, crowdsourcing. Yeah, crowdsourcing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm also on the um, His Holiness's Mind Life Institute board. Oh, yeah. And they invited me to help bring the research to reality because, you know, academics have a hard time bridging it over right, to the right. real world. And so this was one of those sort of live studies. And but when we started, and so Mari was teaching the classes. And she's coming back and she's going, you know, these people are like really stressed out Mm. and, you know, they don't have enough time and they're not eating well and they can't afford your health insurance. And so I'm reading the journals and all these really interesting stories. And one of them was, you know, I was going to kill myself, but now I found new hope. And so there was one life saved. The whole program costs $179,000. That's amazing. That's a cheap that's yeah. cheap to save yeah. one life, right? Yeah, right. For sure. Wow. So then I started saying, who, who are the people? And, and also when I go out in the field, I walk around and I shake everybody's hands in every yeah. cubicle and thank them for their work after I do a town hall. And I was hearing about how hard it was for them. So I came back and said to our HR department, tell me about the people on the front line of our organization. Who are they? What are their lives like? You know, how do they get along? And the story that came back was, you know, at the front lines of our organization, it was pretty tough. And that we had mostly single mothers, eighty-one percent of them. Um, they were having hard times making. They had some of them had their kids on Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Some of the families were on food stamps. Mm-hmm. And here we are, this very profitable company, and we're doing really well in the stock market. And I'm thinking, how can we be this way and let that happen? Mm-hmm. So I went to the team and said, we need to raise the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And they went, well, how much? And we got into this whole spreadsheet thing, which you know, spreadsheets are the worst perpetration ever put on business. Um, they cause us to believe that they, we actually put truth in them and they're really just made up. So finally, I said, let's take it up to $16 an hour from you know the lowest was 12. It was around 12 and a half, 13. And one of our benefits people here, Kay, who's still with us today, said, you know what? If we raise their wages, they're going to have a benefit impact. They're going to have to pay more out of pocket because we have a scale. Mm-hmm. So we said to people, if you're under 300% of the federal poverty level, we'll have an outside firm evaluate you. We won't know who it is. You can qualify to have all your out-of-pocket costs eliminated mm-hmm. if you engage with us in wellness and on disease management. Mm-hmm. So we eliminated out-of-pocket costs for those folks. And the result was a 1,200% engage- increase in employee engagement mm-hmm. in the company. Yeah. 
And what that allowed the company to do, those two things, is it allowed the company to think more freely about what more can we do for each other? How can we take care of each other? Mm-hmm. Which Very led hard. to raising our tuition reimbursement, led to we now repay student loans up to $10,000 wow. for our employees, wow. That's which huge. led to pet That's therapy. We have pet right. therapy in our buildings. Yes, we uh. We saw that you're very involved with German Shepherds and yeah. We Chloe's now Chloe. working. I raised a German Shepherd puppy with Mari and I raised a German Shepherd. Watched puppy. on your Twitter. Yeah, and she's now working in Stanford. So sweet. Uh, we miss her desperately. I bet. But she's a working girl now. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so awesome. So is your, part of your mission now to spread this to other companies? Is that a so if you go if you go out to atnasocialcompact.com mm-hmm. on our website, yeah. it tells other companies how to do it. Oh, that's awesome. And how to think about it. And we just recently, I just got the number yesterday or the day before. Our employees contributed 515,000 hours last year in volunteerism. And we did, I think the number was a $6 million match from our foundation for employee giving. That's that. awesome. So, it, so the health health includes all of these things, the mindfulness, the sleep, the, you know. If you look at life expectancy in the United States has now gone down two years in a row. Mm-hmm. If you look at the factors that affect life expectancy, 10% of it is clinical medical care that you get. 30% is your genetic code. Mm-hmm. And 60% is where you live. Mm-hmm. And so your zip code is now more important than your genetic code mm-hmm. as to how long you live and your quality of life. Can you expand on that? So mm-hmm. social determinants. You know, do I have clean water? Do I have enough food? Am I socialized? Mm-hmm. Is my neighborhood safe? Mm-hmm. And so we just this week launched a bigger program called, we've launched a program a year ago, but we just with U.S. News World Report started to report on it. It's called the Healthy Cities and Counties Challenge, where we gave planning grants to 50 cities and counties. Um, 300 applied um, to do things like built infrastructure, programs, safety, mm-hmm. and they had to apply to us. And then we funded them. So Baltimore is one, and Camden, New Jersey is another. And we have a whole list. And the results are amazing coming out of these cities on what we just by getting the cities focused on improving the quality of life, the impact you can have on health in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, just we were talking about this morale, this makes the cut, but, you know, where you put, where your intention is, your attention follows, and then right. your energy goes there. Yeah, and so these cities are, it's amazing watching this go on, and what we want to do, is we're going to pay the winning city um, a million and a half dollars or a million dollars, something like that, um, at the end. But what we want to do is promulgate the findings of all of that. It's a two-year experiment. Um, to cities across America, because I think what's happened, um, and this is a sort of a bigger macro issue for me, is I think social media, our economies um, have now created social ecosystems that are bigger than our governance models can manage. Mm. So we used to be able to tell our employees on any issue around our industry what the truth was, quote unquote. And they would believe it because all they had was the internal communications vehicle of the organization. Now they're connected to the world. And that communication gives them good, good for good and for bad, quite frankly, as we well know, information that we have to be accountable to in some way, shape, or form. And what, the, what usually happens is we try to make the governance model bigger. So we, you know, eliminate access to the internet inside the company. And then people bring their phones in. Right. Um, right? <laughs> um, or government gets bigger and tries to regulate everything. Right. Yeah. Right. 
And I think what's happened is, is that our governance models are no longer adequate. And what we're going to see is a reversion back to community as a way to govern more effectively. So when you saw the president withdraw from the Paris Accord, 288 cities and counties and companies said, no, we aren't. You may be, but we're not because we're going to stick with it. And so this idea of local and community-based governance and support, what the kids are doing around, you know, the shooting in Florida and the protests are creating Mm -hmm. is really the power of the American democracy, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we can, at any level throughout our society, have an impact Mm -hmm. and we can gain support. And so I think this reversion to community and in the importance of community, which is really the basis of mindfulness, right. um, is you know really important. And I think it's going to be, I think we're going to get smaller in the way we think about our relationships with others than global. Mm-hmm. When you talk about health ambition, yep. that would be part of these communities, right? And defining yep. what a health ambition is. Well, health ambition is personal. It's not collective anymore. And so we've managed our systems in healthcare to look at the best average. So if we improve our averages, right? Hand washing in America for clinicians touching patients is in the high 60s before they touch a patient. So the most important thing you can say when you're in a hospital bed or in a, you could, have you washed your hands? Mm-hmm. Please wash your hands, right? Yeah. And it should be 100%, yeah. don't you think? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. we average the averages and we move the average up and go, hey, we won. No, we didn't win. It's still not 100%. Right. Right. And right. so what do we do to have that impact? And so we got to stop looking at averages and start talking to people. And so people define their health as an impediment or barrier to the life they want to lead. I don't talk about myself as a spinal cord injury survivor. I talk about my neuropathy is getting in the way of my golf game right. and riding my bicycle and fly fishing. Right. Right. And I want those things. Mm -hmm. And so if you can help me accomplish those things, which I love to do, then you've got me engaged. Mm -hmm. But if I'm a diabetic with pedal neuropathy and you tell me if we get your your diabetes under control, you'll be able to run the 5K next year and you've never run an inch. (laughs) You could care less. Right. Right. Right? And so you've got to spend this time with individuals understanding three issues. What's your problem? And mm-hmm. people will define that as the life they want to lead. That's right. their ambition. Mm-hmm. It's not their injury or their illness. Second, what are your what are your alternatives to solving that problem? Mm-hmm. And third, what are the barriers for you pursuing those alternatives? You so you take a company like Peloton that's created these bikes. Yeah. yeah. Why do people buy these bikes? Because they don't want to go to a gym. Right. And you're, are all the people that buy Pelotons look like the people that ride them on the edge? Right. No. <laughs> There's a reason they don't want to go to the gym. Right. 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 So true. And so if you think about what the, what is the barrier for people going to a gym, I don't want to go to a gym looking like this. Yeah. Right. right? And, <laughs> it's true. And so, you know, and so what do we do? What do you, you So if you're looking Wait, for the yeah. unmet need, the unmet need is me. What mm-hmm. What is this for me? And how do you help me live the life I want to lead? Those are my ambitions. And if you help me solve for my ambitions, mm-hmm. then you've got me engaged and I'm a partner with you making that happen. And that's why our whole campaign here has gone to, you know, you don't join us. We join you. Mm-hmm. It's your right. journey. Mm-hmm. It's your journey. Yeah. Mind, body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just have a little bit of time left. So um, we just wanted to ask you some Smaller questions here. So what is your 
Can you tell us about your daily routine? My daily routine? Well, there is no really daily routine, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but there are things I try and fit into the day mm-hmm. would be the way I talk about it. You know, people always say to me, what is your work-life balance? And I always tell people there is no such thing as work-life balance, yeah. just all life. <laughs> right. Or right. at the end of, do you ever see the movie Tombstone? No. With Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell? <laughs> I mean, it's like one of the classic movies. Right? <laughs> okay. It's a classic movie. Okay. But at the end of it, be like, Doc yeah. Holliday's laying in a bed dying of consumption. He's got TB. And Kurt Russell's sitting there with you know him as 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 Wyatt Earp. And, and he says, no, what are you going to do, Wyatt? And he goes, all I want is a normal life. Mm. And, and he was just a lawman and all this sort of stuff. And, and Doc Holliday looks at him just before he dies and says, Wyatt, there is no such thing as a normal life. It's all life. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about this as your day as a way of fitting your life in, mm-hmm. how do yeah. you best spend it? The two most important decisions you can make every day is what am I going to do with my time and who am I going to spend it with? Mm-hmm. And, and so I always encourage people to have a personal practice that allows them to present their best selves to the rest of the world. Yes. And so what I try to do every day and did this morning is get up and do my yoga, mm-hmm. um, get on my mat. Um, I try to roll it out the night before. So when I get out of bed, it's got it's there. <laughs> I can't walk past it without feeling guilty. And then get on my bike um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and or to the gym um, mm-hmm. if I'm traveling. And so if I do that, I'm in a much better place than if I don't. Um, mm-hmm. And there are days that I don't get it all in because I have to start too early. And so I get up around 6 o'clock, 6.30 get my routine in and then get into the office or if I can ride at the end of the day, I'll ride at the end of the day. Tried desperately to get back here yesterday in enough time to ride. Because yeah, because it, yeah, it was so pretty. Yeah. It was 72 degrees. <laughs> but it sounds like you've spent, you found someone very special to spend your time with. Mari. Mari. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mari sounds amazing. She's had a great influence on me. She came to our, Arthur Ashe was on our board when he passed yeah. away. And he, we have an Af- African-American calendar event. And six years ago, we had one on urban farmers. And she came with me to St. Louis because she likes urban farming. And all of a sudden, she's in the corner with all the urban farmers. And I go, what are you doing? <laughs> and she said, well, you know, they know how to do this. And they could create a cookbook on how to build an urban farm. And you've got money. And so um, <laughs> since then, we've done 3,300 urban farm beds across America oh, wow. as a company. Wow. Um, to eliminate food deserts. Mari's now on the board of uh, Harlem Grown up in Harlem, um, which is building farms across middle schools throughout yes. Harlem. Yeah. Um, and Tony Hillary's a good friend of ours, and actually Mari's with him this morning. Um, and we've supported him buying property and supporting program development. But not only do they teach kids about urban farming to supply food to the school across the street, wow. but they're also helping them with their schooling while they're in the farm. They do teaching. Um, and they get them college applications and get them into school. So, uh-huh. Mari, yeah. so you know, that would have never happened without Mari getting yeah. involved yeah. Um, in the organization. God, she sounds lovely and amazing. Okay. Mark, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. So nice gift. to see you. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doral. Be well. <laughs>